0: All the things we apply during advent i also get to apply on a random tuesday in the month of may because my heart is still long my heart is still looking forward and yearning for the coming of christ so advent truths help form us year round i think welcome to christ and culture the podcast of the l russ bush center for faith and culture at southeastern baptist theological seminary here we'll explore how the christian faith intersects all avenues of today's culture through conversations with
1: leading thinkers. Welcome to The Conversation. Welcome to our special Christmas episode of Christ and Culture. I'm Ken Keefley. And I'm Benjamin Quinn. Now, each year at Christmas, we seek to inject some Christmas cheer into our Christmas episode, and this year is no different.
2: That's right. In today's episode, we'll talk to Scott James about family, Advent, and finding time to remember Christ in the busyness of the season— after that, we'll have a special edition of On My Bookshelf, in which our staff recommends this time not books, but Christmas movies.
1: Now, Dr. Quinn, are you one of those that thinks uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie?
2: You know, I, I don't normally let Die Hard count, but sometimes it depends on the context. So maybe we'll let it count this time.
1: All right. Well, first, we will have a special edition of our segment, Headlines. As our own Nathaniel Williams is going to talk to Amy Whitfield, she's got a new book on Lottie Moon.
3: For Southern Baptists, the Christmas season is also a time of supporting international missions through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But who was Lottie Moon? Well, Amy Whitfield has written a new book for kids titled Lottie Moon, The Girl Who Reached the World, and we're delighted to have her back on the podcast today to discuss. Amy, thanks for joining us today.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
3: All right, so why did you write a picture book of all things about Lottie Moon?
4: That's, the, that's the, the great question, isn't it? That's, it's something I never imagined myself doing, uh, never thought that I would write a children's book, never felt like I had the expertise to write a children's book. Um, but B&H, uh, in their kids' division, B&H Kids, started a series, it's called the Here I Am series, and it's on uh, heroes of the faith, written for a uh, kind of older elementary um, age group, and so they, uh, the, Lottie Moon is the third in the series. So there was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and C.S. Lewis. And, you know, they, uh, they actually, uh, you know, got some writers who maybe are either uh, historians or have like, you know, great and, you know, li- literary scholars interest in the subject. And so I got to do it because um, of how much I love Lottie. So instead of being a children's book author who maybe had to kind of learn about the subject. I was a, uh, a person who loved the subject and had to learn to tell the story for children.
3: So why do you love Lottie? What is it about her that uh, made it so easy for you to write a picture book about her life?
4: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have been a, a student of Baptist history for a long time, and uh, I just love stories. And so, and I think it's important for us to know the stories that kind of got us to to where we are and so obviously in southern baptist history lottie moon kind of looms large you know in some in some ways the reason she does is because she was such a figure of her time as a missionary who communicated with the masses. And uh, I mean, it's a day before social media and all of that, but she knew how to use the power of words through her letters that she would write back and would be sent out to the churches. And and so she was always telling the story and and she was one of the main ways, you know, people really stayed connected to what they were doing in the nations. But, you know, the, the offering actually is something that's so amazing to me because here she was knowing that there were all these needs in front of her and not just her, but missionaries in other places in the world. And she wrote back and she wrote back to the women um, in the churches and, and said, you know, look at what some of these other groups, other churches are doing. Other women's groups are doing coming together you could do the same thing. Like you can do this. She had this idea, go to the churches, pull the resources. You can help us over here. The needs are so great. Um, and my goodness, here we are like 135 years later, I think. And, um, and just a few years ago, it surpassed the $5 billion mark cumulative. Yeah. It, it just blows me away that it started from this one idea uh, that she had, and that she inspired others to believe. She said, "You, you know, you can do this." So um, that just always fascinated me about her, and I, I just I love her story. I love how how she came to to know Christ, and then it, it just changed her life forever. And uh, so a lot of people love love Lottie. I'm not, you know, any anything uh, special or unique in that, but getting to to talk about it, tell her story is real honor.
3: That's really cool. I imagine one takeaway our listeners could take from this, obviously, is give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And we will have a link in our show notes to that. But what's something else our listeners can take from her life, maybe a life lesson or an application for their own lives?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I say in there, and and obviously this is for kids, but I think it applies is, you know, no matter how old you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you do, you can follow God's plan just like Lottie. And so, you know, the idea that she could, write these letters. She could tell her story. She could mobilize people through that. She used the power of words. And then when she had this idea, she didn't just like sit on it. She wrote back and she encouraged them. She galvanized people. And, and I think that's really instructive because my guess is if she were here today and saw how much this offering was affecting the entire world, she would, maybe she would say this is exactly what I knew was happening, but she also might be really shocked because it it really started as something very simple. And so I think there's, there's something to that. She followed God's calling and uh, she loved people. She never lost sight of the mission. Um, and she wasn't afraid to step out there.
3: That's really cool. How can our listeners find the book and how can they follow you and your work?
4: Yeah. So Lifeway uh, is selling it. So you can go to lifeway.com. I think other sellers, Amazon, you know, com. maybe th- things like that, other booksellers, you can you can find it. Like I said, it's part of the Here I Am series. So you can check out some of the other books as well. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not on social media too much anymore. I'm still there, but I don't say a whole lot. Uh, if I do anything, it's usually Instagram now, but I've been focusing a lot of my work here locally uh, at, at the church where I'm on staff. So
3: Thanks for talking to us about Lottie.
4: All right. Thank you.
0: Have you been called to ministry? There's never been a better time to answer God's call to prepare at Southeastern because many of our students are able to receive rigorous ministry training in our MDiv program at little to no cost. Visit sebts.edu forward slash mdiv to find out how you can get your
2: mdiv fully funded today. The Christmas season is incredibly busy, unfortunately. How can families intentionally help their kids to remember Jesus in the midst of the Christmas season?
1: Uh, Indeed. And so today, uh, we have with us Dr. Scott James. Dr. James is an elder at the church at Brook Hills. He and his wife, Jamie, have four children, and they live in Birmingham, Alabama, where he works as a pediatric physician. He's the author of many books, including the one we're going to talk about today, which is The Expected One Anticipating All of Jesus in the Advent. Dr. James, uh, thank you for joining us today.
0: Hello, thank you for having me on.
1: Well, now Scott, you have a remarkable resume. You are a pediatric physician, you're at uh, an elder of a church, and you're an author. Uh, all on top of being a husband and a father. Tell us about all these various vocations, all all of the things on your busy resume.
0: Well, yeah, I'm 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 busy. I don't know that I'm busier than others, but I'm certainly busy. Uh but I will say I have a lot of fun. So I, I try to just uh, find different areas where the Lord has planted me and see if I can uh,
1: serve him in whatever
0: context that may be, whether that's in my home or in the local church or in my place of work, which happens to be a hospital.
1: So for how long have you been a pediatrician?
0: I I, uh, I finished my training about 15 years ago, so I've, I've been in it for a good bit now.
1: So everything you talked about, uh, being an elder at a church, could be a full-time position. Being a pediatrician, especially someone who deals with infectious diseases as you do, uh, particularly this year, that can be a time-consuming and demanding uh, vocation. You're the father for kids, and you write books. As someone who also tries to put pen to paper occasionally, I know how time-consuming that can be. So how, how do you balance them?
0: For me, I I really do look at it as sort of overlapping circles of vocation and ministry. So uh, I do have a lot on my plate, but uh, a lot of the areas in which uh, I sort of have my hand to the plow are areas where... Uh, the the Lord has found me in one area and then has said, hey, while you're there, you can also sort of bend your mind towards this and I can put you to use in this direction. It's kind of related to it. So I do have definitely um, what I would consider to be some overlapping spheres of ministry and influence that uh, I, I maybe make me seem a little more busy than I actually am, uh, though you're definitely right, particularly in wintertime. I uh, am overwhelmingly busy sometimes, but um, just got to find healthy rhythms of getting rest in there, and you know, spending time with family, and making sure I'm prioritizing things the, the the correct way.
2: Dr. James, many of our listeners are similarly busy. In fact, I can't think I can't think of anybody that I've met in the last several years who said, "You know what? I'm just not busy at all. I'm perfectly stress free, regardless of what stage or uh, age of life that they're in." Um, especially this time of year, how can parents? and I'm thinking particularly of middle-aged type families, probably you and me, quite similar there. How can parents be very present with their children during the season and not just let, let the busyness squeeze? In other words, maybe um, as we begin Advent, one of the key themes is uh, prepare him room. How do we prepare room for Christ in this season? Uh, that's
0: that's a great question. And I think one that a lot of families are, are dealing with and thinking through, trying to be wise about. Um, I, I want to think through it in a way that First and foremost, we're thinking about what are our priorities as a family. And so then, therefore, our time and our energy, our resources are going to be spent more on the things that we're prioritizing. So you have to just be deliberate deliberate about what, what we think is most important for our kids, for our family, uh, as we're functioning uh, within Um, you know, the different spheres that God has us, whether it be our work, our home, or uh, being members of a local church. Um, And and so it's easy to just kind of thoughtlessly go with the flow and just sort of let the next urgent thing pop up on your schedule and let that be kind of a series of um, things that dictate your day. And before you know it, the entire day is done and you're not entirely sure what all you've accomplished. You you know, you've done a heck of a lot, but uh, it doesn't feel like you've done anything um, of significance, so to speak. Uh, so I I, I I don't know. Personally, I feel like I, I have that at the end of some days where I just like I know I was busy as all get out today, but I, I don't know that I accomplished any um, major goals that I've been working towards. So I think for families, if we can just sort of pause, take a breath, uh, families talk together, find out what it is we want to spend our time and energy on uh, and, and then just be deliberate about carving out time for that, making time for that, whether that's kind of. Formal kind of scheduling our family, um, the, the the flow of our day or our weeks in a particular way that carves out formal time to gather together to do certain things with church or whatever it is we may be doing, but also want to take advantage of kind of just the informal things that happen throughout the day. So if you have priorities, such as focusing on Christ in the midst of a hectic Christmas season, what are some formal ways that we can kind of gather together and make that the point of emphasis for who we are and what we're doing as a family so that we can spend dedicated time doing that? And then I also want to think about kind of like as you go opportunities, just sort of the normal flow and rhythms of our day. And how am I trying to weave in truths that speak to that greater priority in the lives of my children and myself?
2: Dr. James, you've written this book, uh, as we mentioned in the introduction, called The Expected One, Anticipating All of Jesus in the Advent. As you just talked about ways in which we have to be deliberate in prioritizing our time and our schedule. Tell us a little bit about this book and how that plays into the time that you guys set aside to focus on Christ in the Advent season. Absolutely. The expected
0: one simply grew out of my family's family worship time. So we have a reg- regular routine in my home. We have done since our kids have been uh, toddler age uh, in which we consistently make time to gather together, slow down, read God's word together, sing you know, good hymns or songs or pray songs together and spend time in prayer together. It's a, a simple, uncomplicated process that uh, we, we try to make as accessible as possible so that it does fit within the flow of our daily life and our rhythms and our sports and school and all kinds of things. But it is just sort of a, a, a flexibly consistent norm that we have in our home so that our children know and expect and look forward to it. And hopefully over time, just the simple practice of spending time in God's word together has this sort of, um, I don't know, exponential formative uh, mm. role in their life where it just kind of adds up in an, an invisible way so that, you know, before you know it, they're young adults who have been steeped in God's word and in more importantly, maybe, uh, or just as important, maybe family conversation, active family conversation about God's word, what it means. And what, to what
2: age are your kids right now, Dr. James?
0: My kids now are 12, 14, 16, and 18. So we've been doing this for quite a while. Um, okay, great. One of, my, one of my guys is already out of the home and um, just kind of praying that all of the seeds that we planted in, in that and, uh, and in the spiritual formation in his life uh, will continue to take good, good fruit based on our time you know together uh, in our church, but also in our home. Yeah, so I, I do find that Advent in particular is an excellent time to really, really reinforce these family rhythms. Advent is just this specific season that I think is just very ripe for things like family worship and family devotional, uh, things that where we can kind of gather together, circle the home together. Um, and and as parents help point our kids to a very, very specific thing. Um, not, not, not like a sort of a nebulous, we're gonna kind of do family worships throughout the year, but like you can really hone in during Advent and say, look, we're gonna spend the next four weeks uh, specifically studying the scriptures or, or concepts leading up to the birth of our Savior. So Advent, to, to me, is just a special season that I've always enjoyed, preparing my heart, preparing room to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we've, we focused in on that during our family worship time. That's the origin story, so to speak, of of where the expected one came
1: from. Let's just ask a very basic question. Uh, what is Advent? Is it simply a synonym for Christmas? Or are you understanding something to be distinct Uh, in the Advent season?
0: I would categorize Advent as distinct from Christmas, though necessarily related and tied to it. So it is, it would be considered the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so it would be a season of preparation, uh, a season of expectation and anticipation uh, that leads up to the feast, to the celebration of Christmas Day. So it's that Um, kind of, it weaves in some aspects of longing and yearning, and honestly, even sometimes some angst as we wait upon the Lord. And so if we think back to Christ's First Advent, so Advent simply coming from the Latin word meaning to arrive or to come. So his first arrival uh, in the manger, uh, we can kind of put ourselves in the shoes of the people of God who had been waiting for generations for the Savior to come, and the yearning and the angst and the longing that might have been built up in their hearts over the years as they look forward to the coming of Jesus. Um, so I, I kind of frame it as it's somewhat the the feast before the fast. It's the preparation you do before the celebration. And, and so Advent is just a really special time in which we can be a part of the festivities that are going on, right? We're not all doom and gloom and black drapes around the house. We've got the, the tinsel and the lights and everything are already up, but it's a it's a heart posture in, in which we can focus in on our preparation and our need for the Savior who has come. Then we burst forth in joyful celebration on Christmas morning that the Savior has come. And all of that for our family, one of the things that we consistently remind ourselves of is that on this side of the cross, we're waiting for the second Advent. And so as we do all of these things to prepare our heart to celebrate the coming of Jesus uh, in the incarnation, we also want to live in you know, spiritual communion with God in, in, uh, in the shared blood of Christ on this side of the cross as we look forward to his second coming, his second Advent. So all the things we apply during Advent, I also get to apply on a random Tuesday in the month of May because my heart is still long. My heart is still looking forward and yearning for the coming of Christ. So Advent truths help form us year round. I think
1: evangelicals have always had sort of a um, uh, an odd relationship with the liturgical calendar. We we've always felt just a little bit nervous about it. In fact, I think I I think I could say that for many there's almost been an active hostility, and so therefore ignoring uh, the Christian calendar has resulted in um you know nature abhors a vacuum and so uh, the the secular calendar now dominates and so people think of the holiday season as you know Halloween Thanksgiving Christmas and New Year's and if you want to Super Bowl you know so they 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 celebrate those various things uh in a very uh, and like I said, I think you you said it also, we enjoy, obviously, all of those good things that of our culture, the things that, uh, I mean, I think Thanksgiving a, is a fantastic holiday for us to have. On the other hand, maybe we've been robbed of some of the things that you're emphasizing, and that is the, the very idea of the Advent season and everything that it signifies. Well, your your kids are now teenagers, and you've been having family devotions with them for many years what advice would you give to a young family who was wanting to start family devotions, but they don't know how, what would you say to them?
0: I would first encourage them by, uh, letting them know that it is more doable than they may think. Uh, so oftentimes, I've talked with tons of parents. I work in kids ministry a lot in, in my local church, the Church of Brook Hill. So I'm, a lot of my uh, a lot of my ministry is geared towards helping come alongside families to to help them point their children to Christ and equip them so that they can do that as primary disciple makers in the home. I've not yet met uh, a family uh, that, that would be involved in this kind of conversation that is that does not want to disciple their kids. I've not yet met a family who doesn't have an impulse or a desire to help their children see Christ or grow in Christ or come to know Christ. The disconnect is, how do I do it? It feels out of my league. It feels like I'm not qualified. It feels like uh, my kids are going to ask me questions that stump me and it's going to be embarrassing or we don't have time for it or we're too busy. Just a, a kind of myriad reasonable concerns or, or and or excuses that we can put in there to, to act as a barrier to us kind of implementing some you know cohesive family discipleship in the home. So I always do my best to just sort of encourage and praise them for the impulse, the motivation they have to disciple their kids and to be active in the spiritual lives, uh, the spiritual formation of their children, and then to just kind of do my best to put the cookies on the lower shelf and say, it's really not that hard. Keep it simple. Keep it short. Keep it engaging. Sing the word, pray the word, read the word, Uh, just small acts that you can do to kind of stop, pause your family kind of from amidst the hubbub that's going on, And, and the way I frame it is just we want to have a kind of a tangible witness to our kids we want to we want to show them in a concrete way that god the god that we talk so much about the god that we uh sh- you know share our, with our children about all the time and uh, are hearing about in church that that god that we um we claim to believe what he says about himself that, that he is you know sovereign overall that god is worthy of our time our attention and our affection and for our family in the midst of really, really busy seasons all throughout the year, but Christmas time in particular, Mm. uh, a tangible way to do that is for us to gather together once a day, uh, spend a few minutes reading God's word together. um, And uh, yeah, just doing my best to, to, uh, I say, keep it simple, keep it engaging. So for us, it's just this fun rhythm, this fun routine. We get together, we have fun together. It's not somber. It's not a lecture. It's not anything like that. Mm. Uh, When I was, I will confess when I was a young father, Uh, Just had a a, um, a couple of toddlers and and another one on the way. Uh, I got a little bit too gung-ho and uh, I kind of got ahead of myself and bit off more than I could chew. And with the best of intentions, I kind of developed this Mm -hmm. really cohesive family worship liturgy, like this agenda, this this kind of multi-step thing that we were going to walk through involved multiple recitations and prayers and I mean I kind of I don't know I did it that was my my uh my dalliance with 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 kind of high church liturgy was just trying to implement some of that and I had the best of intentions with it but it just became untenable it just became something that uh it was too complicated and it took so you, th-
1: you didn't you didn't have stations of the cross or anything like that
0: <laughs> no 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 bells or smells or anything like that but <laughs> I, uh, I I did I just tried I, I I wanted like some bones to it some structure to it and it was enjoyable and I trust that the Lord used it and uh, got some time, uh, you know, it wasn't totally wasted time, but it kind of became pretty clear as I was trying to go through the, you know, the the next section of my, uh, you know, grand liturgy that lo- the one kid was bouncing off the walls and the other kid, uh, I had lost their attention, you know, 15 minutes ago and they're over there picking their nose. It's just, it wasn't actually practicable in our home. It didn't fit. So did
1: your room. wife have words of wisdom for you during this time?
0: She always does. Uh, and yeah, I think just we we kind of collectively are like, we probably should just kind of chill out a bit and just, you know, simplify things. And so we did. So it just kind of became a, yeah, we gather together. We we, we read a short passage. We ask, What's, what, what stands out from that in you? So we just, you know, have some basic, just kind of flowing discussion after reading a short passage. Yeah, sing a hymn, pray a prayer. Like that's it. Takes sometimes five minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. I will say when it goes longer, it's usually because my kids are asking really, really good questions and driving further conversation. So um I'm not I'm doing my best not to personally drag things out. But sometimes my kids just, you know, you can see the fuse is lit and they're like, I would like 30 minutes of conversation about this, please. Yeah, and that's great. Roll with it. It's so
2: fun. I want to ask you about that. So you mentioned at least during Advent, you guys are doing this every day. Throughout the whole year is this every day for you guys once a week. What was it look like outside of
0: Advent? The way I frame it is that we try to be flexibly consistent and consistently flexible. So we aim for daily. Um, We aim for it to be a normal practice in our home. I I definitely confess that in the middle of baseball season, uh, in the middle of my daughter's volleyball season, in the middle of uh, school projects and, and such, sometimes I'm working late. I mean, just, it doesn't happen every day for sure. And we're okay with that, right? Any sense of guilt or shame that I had early on about, uh, not being, uh, not you know, not not batting a thousand on all of this, uh, we just left uh, left behind, and and you know we have, I think seasons where we really do have a lot of consistency with it, and it is kind of an almost every single day thing, and then to be honest, we have we've had some seasons over the past decade or so where gosh it's been a couple of months and we we have just gotten out of the practice, and so we have to kind of. Have a little kind of um, I don't know, uh self-check. My wife and I are like, oh yeah, we we kind of remind each other, like, yeah, we need to we need to get back into that. And so we'll start it, start it back up and re-engage. And again, it's it has been consistent enough in the lives of our children that at any given day when we pick it up, if if we say, all right, let's we're gonna do some family worship uh real quick, my kids don't bat an eye. That's that's normal, uh welcomed, expected. Um, so even if it's been two weeks since we did it last, they're they're good to go as soon as we uh, re-engage with it. But that's one of the other reasons why I do love Advent in particular, because it's it's a short burst um, in, in which we can recommit. So it kind of ev- every year as we have the sort of rhythms of how this fits into the flow of our family, uh, December every year is kind of a re-energizing force when it comes to uh, really just diving into God's word together as a family.
2: I just want to go a little bit deeper. Let me let me cut one layer further from where we are because I pastor a small church and I'm regularly encouraging, challenging, especially the dads, to take the lead in reading scripture with your with your family, praying with your family. And and kind of like you said earlier, I don't I don't have any that just straight up uh you know don't want anything to do with that or just say, no, I just don't believe in that. I don't have any dads like that in my church, at least not that I'm aware of, but I have plenty of them that. Some will say out loud and some will just indicate by attitude, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't I don't know how to, I, I can't prepare a sermon. I didn't go to seminary or whatever the case is. Um, h- how do we keep this really simple? So, you know, what is, uh, you said, read a short passage, pray together, sing together. But where do you start? Where, you know, if you're outside of Advent, where do you start in reading, uh, reading scripture? How much do you read? How do you, you know, how do you decide what to do? Just give us some of those one one basic practical tips for dads, especially.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, and that's the common uh, uh, conversation that I have with with parents as well. Um, so I'll, I'll 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 go outside of Advent, and make it more general. But I'll start off with in the Advent period. My hope is that a resource like the expected one would be kind of like a like a like a primer, like a just an entry level course and how to do it. Because if you actually go through it, it's really really simple, right? Like so, if you if you come to that expecting sort of you know. Three pages of devotional thoughts per chapter and kind of, you know, uh, Piper-esque uh, uh, um, musings and, and devotions. That's not this. It's it really is. You op- It's a short passage. It's a little blurb that kind of unfolds what that means. And it's a few follow up questions and a prayer point. So you you, you could come to it actually be quite underwhelmed. with like, Is that all there is? But that's the point. It's just the vehicle for opening God's word. And it's a few discussion points to kind of get the questions rolling. Um, so, my hope is that even a parent who feels completely inadequate, right, the one that's like, I don't have a seminary degree, therefore I can't do that. And I've heard that countless times. Uh, my hope is that it is a simply an entry point to show them that just reading God's powerful word with their kids is it. It's enough. That's the point. And then any discussions that sort of flow from that, you just handle naturally to the best of your ability, uh, fully confessing that. That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question. Is a wonderful response when your kids stump you, and my kids stump me all the time. Um, so just having the humility to say, "Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Let's let's you know let's go talk to uh, Pastor Benjamin on Sunday and see if we can, you know, uh, see what he thinks about that." So um, having that sort of humility to just say, "Let's be honest. It's it's not about you and your capability. It really is simply about the power of the Word of God." And this is just a commitment to be faithful to open God's word with your children. Um, So my prayer, my hope is that a resource like the expected one during Advent can kind of be the entry point that show a lot of families that, Oh, wow, this is, this is something that I, I can do and I can't do it perfectly, but I can consistently and faithfully uh, read God's word and have some spiritual conversations with my kids. Um, So yeah, throughout the rest of the year, so many resources. There's a ton of good devotionals that are out there that kind of give you passages or verses in little kind of like, you know, structured or cohesive, but, you know, bite sized forms um, with some devotional thoughts and questions. So there's uh, honestly for any part of the church calendar or secular calendar there, there are resources to be had uh, when our kids were particularly younger really do uh love just a good storybook bible so it's not a replacement of god's word but for a short season reading through storybook bibles like the big picture storybook bible or uh the jesus Storybook bible i mean there's a lot, just lots of good options that that really are kind of rich in the word and i wouldn't want to do them 365 all the time i, I do want to get to god's word and you know actually spend time in god's word but um Yeah, Bible story books can be a good entry point to kind of just get in the practice of
2: reading through and discussing concepts from God's word. So lots of resources to be had. So the title of the book uh, for our listeners, once again, is called The Expected One, Anticipating All of Jesus in the Advent by Dr. Scott James. And Scott also has another uh, complimentary volume called The Risen One, Experiencing All of Jesus in Easter Time as well. So if you get started with this in the Advent and enjoy it, you don't have to wait too much longer, especially this year with or in 2024 with an early Easter. Uh, You get to jump right back in uh, for Lent and Easter season. Dr. James, where can people find your book and how can they follow your work? My, my books, uh, some
0: family devotional books, and then also some children's books, like illustrated children's books, um, available in all the normal places. So I usually just say wherever you love to buy books. Uh, cause if I say Amazon, someone will get mad at me. Um, of the <laughs> empire. so wherever yeah. you love to buy your books, uh, uh, my resources are available. Um, so yeah, just kind of search, search my name. I don't have any other major online presence or anything like that. So it's just, it's just me floating around on social media, trying to be
1: encouraging to people. Dr. James, thank you for being with us.
0: Thanks so much for having me. a lot of fun, you guys.
3: Typically at this point in the show, we have our segment called On My Bookshelf. But since it's Christmas, we are changing things up a little bit, and so today, we've asked the staff here at the Center for Faith and Culture to share their favorite Christmas movies. Well, my name is Jacob Haley, and I serve as the Dancer Fellow for the CFC. My favorite Christmas movie is Elf. I like this movie just because I think it's really funny, and it's also just a fun Christmas tradition to watch
4: every year with my family.
1: My name is Megan Dickerson, and I serve as the grant administrator here at the CFC. My favorite Christmas movie is the Slugs and Bugs show, Make Ready for Christmas. My kids love this show, and it is so fun to listen to every year. The songs, so many of them are from Scripture, and they tell the story, the whole Christmas story, from the Bible. And it's really sweet. The puppets are really funny. Randall Goodgame is amazing and your family should watch the Slugs and Bugs show, make ready for Christmas.
4: My name is Rachel Smith and I serve as the faculty secretary at the CFC. And I'm going to answer this question a little differently because growing up, Christmas Vacation would inevitably be on in the background at my house because my brother's favorite movie is Christmas Vacation. So I will say that I tolerate Christmas Vacation. (laughs) My name is Lisa McNeely, and I serve as the administrative assistant here at the CFC. This question, which is my favorite Christmas movie, is difficult because I love Christmas and I love Christmas movies. I'm going to go with the classic It's a Wonderful Life because the story, and I know it's in black and white. I do not watch the colorized version, but I love the classics, and I think that everyone should watch it this Christmas.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode.
2: Just so you know as well, we'll take a few weeks off for the Christmas season, but we will be back in January with brand new episodes. We look forward to seeing you then.
4: Yeah,
1: so until then,
4: we wish you a Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas.
4: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
1: We wish you a very Merry Christmas.